This is episode four of the Lost in the Game podcast. Before we get started with this episode, I just wanted to take the time and thank everybody who's been tuning into the podcast. I appreciate all of the feedback that I've been receiving. This helps me to continuously improve my abilities and to ensure that you guys are getting the best content possible. As always, I'm your host, Antoine. And welcome to episode four of the Lost in the Game podcast. I thought this would be the perfect episode to share my story with you. To help me do that, I brought my father on to assist me. Dad, say what's up to the listeners. Hey, what's going on, everyone? All right. So in preparing for this episode, I realized that not many people know that I was actually born Antoine Thomas to a single mother raising four kids in a low-income housing project. They also don't know that I didn't meet you until I was five. Now, to save time, we're not gonna dive too deep into those details, but I do have a couple of questions about that. Okay. All right, so in 1995, uh, you leave the United States Air Force and you return to New Jersey. How did you find out about me initially? So initially, um, my cousin told me that um, it was a possibility that you were my child. <clears throat> and at the time, when, when she told me that, I was actually overseas in Saudi Arabia. And I was working, when I was home in the States, I went on a tour for Desert Storm, Desert Shield. I went on, before I went on tour, I was um, looking after um, or mentoring kids without fathers. So when she told me that it was a possibility that I had a kid and I was instantly the thing that I hated was a deadbeat dad, so to speak. <laughs> um, so of course, you know, I, I told her I would be home because I was stationed in Oklahoma. So on my way back from overseas, I stopped home and I said, I want to meet with your mom. And, you know, we sit down and figure this out. So that's how I found out. I came home, met with your mom, saw you for the first time. What, um, was, what, what was that like? It was kind of surreal because I, I, for as much as I, um, part of me wanted you to be mine. But honestly, you know, I'm, tw I'm 24, 25 years old. I'm like, <laughs> I don't want an instant kid. <laughs> and then I was pissed because I was like, if he's mine. I missed out on five years of his life. I remember the night before, not even the night before, maybe like during the week, my mom, she was teaching me grandma and grandpa's names and she was making sure I had it right. And then she was making sure I say, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. Yes, sir. No, sir. Being all proper. And that was like one of the first lessons that I remember her specifically sitting me down and, and drilling into me. I remember pulling up to grandma and grandpa's house then we go in and I remember going into the back room and then just kind of like standing by the door. And then grandma was like, come here, little boy, come sit on my lap, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and then like, like, uh, always they had Popeye's chicken in the kitchen. Always. <laughs> like always. So I remember, uh, eating and then I think, uh, Tish was there and then she took out my braids and I remember getting the bath. And then the next day, we're in the barbershop. <laughs> no, 
Five thirty in the morning. <laughs> yeah, I remember going to do the paternity test. The whole car ride there was silent. That definitely was probably the most awkward car ride in my life. Um, yeah, think about it. I'm 25 years old, and I'm going to find out if I have an instant kid. Five years old. So, um, and it was a lot of emotions for me at the time. My thought was, if he is my son, she stole five years of my life from him and his life with me. Now, honestly, am I over it? No, because <laughs> <I, laughs> I'm just being honest because, you know, you're such a you're such an integral part of my life that, you know, kind of wish I was there from the beginning. And, you know, so looking, you know, as I look back and think about that and think about you know, that time I was, I was angry. I was really, really angry because one, like I said, I was the thing that I, I, I was the thing that I hated, but most of all, I felt like I missed so much of your life. Those first five years, those are for those are the times when the bonding happens between um, parent and child. Um, that those are the times where, you know, you just build, you, those are the building blocks and that got stolen from me. So, um, am I over it? I mean, we have a great bond now, but that, you know, that's still, I try not to think about it because you can't dwell on the past, but every now and then it creeps up, with, I would think what kind of bond would we have if I was there from day one, which I totally would have been. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. I definitely agree with you because now having kids, I can only imagine not being a part of their lives for those formative years and then instantly having to jump in and then try and not only build a bond with this, with, with the child, but get them to trust you, you know, get them to trust you, get them to know you and all that stuff. So I can only imagine what you were going through now yeah. that I'm a dad. In preparing for this, I realized that it probably did have some type of effect on me because I've never told anybody this story. I never showed anybody where I actually grew up. I never told anybody that, nah, man, I was poor. Like I never believed in Santa Claus, Tooth Fairy, Easter Bunny, none of that stuff. Like I was, I was a very uh, independent child from the moment I can remember. And that's because even though my mom was there, she wasn't necessarily there. You know what I mean? Right. So right. we had to, you know, you got to learn quick in the hood. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. And get yourself ready. The things that I can re remember growing up there, most of my worries was when or when when's the next meal coming like it was survival mode for me so i became very emotionally uh intelligent i learned how to um play on people's emotions definitely um having those new teachers that get um their their first job is you go teach in the inner city so knowing them it was just like i play the poor innocent soft-spoken hungry little black boy and got away with everything had them wrapped around my finger so <laughs> yeah i remember i remember you tried to bring some of that stuff when you came with us i i, sh I had to shut that down real quick <laughs> now i had my moments it lasted until a uh, parent teacher parent teacher conference was my yeah. worst fear and that's because i was like well the gig's up that's <laughs> <laughs> gonna come in and blow up everything <laughs> yep the gig's up so and so and to kind of hear you like tell that story about how you grew up and i kind of on a lot of levels knew um that like breaks my heart because no no parent wants their child to have to grow up like that if it's not necessary now granted 
um, your mom did the best that she could with yeah, what for she sure. could. So, it, you know, it's not not a slight against her. But for me, it's just like, had I been involved, it would have negated some of the struggles for you that, that you know, that you went through. But at the end of the thing, you look at, you, you, you turned out. It's not how you start, it's how you end. And you turned out to be you know, upstanding man, I'm proud of you. You know, as a father, I couldn't ask for a better son. And I appreciate, and I'm very proud of you, what you're doing and what you're continuing to do. So on that fact, you know, I'm blessed and I thank God for how you turned out. But, you know, as a parent, you kind of hear the story just like, it's like, it's wrenching because you don't, you don't want your child to have to go through that unnecessarily. I never believed that I was supposed to be there. I never saw myself in that situation. I was always the one stuck in the clouds, daydreaming, uh, and trying to figure out ways on how I was gonna make it out. And my ticket out, I realized very quickly, it was sports and athletics. So do you remember uh, 1996, uh, watching the Summer Olympics and watching uh, Michael Johnson uh, break yes. the world record? And Absolutely. me at six years old, sitting there <laughs> and looking at you saying, I wanna be the fastest man in the world one day. I remember it like it was yesterday. And what did I say to you? Okay. You, I remember you saying, okay, we're going to get to work. There you go. It's all about the work. <laughs> when did you first see the athleticism? When did I first see the athleticism? So honestly, when it when I knew that like it was just something special in you, was we were living in Jackson and you had just joined track and field and you were running. I always knew you were quick. And so that was, that was, I was like, okay, he's quick. I know where he gets it from. So, you know, I'm okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> Took me own horn. It didn't hey. all come from you. <laughs> My mom got fast feet, man. I, I seen her run from you, horse. She got some quick feet. Yeah, 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 yeah. But you know, I'm going to take credit. I'm going to take credit. <laughs> so, I remember you came up to me at the track meet and you said, dad, mom, coach wants me to do long jump. Well, yeah, long jump. And I'm going to do it. I'm like, whoa, whoa, hey, slow down. You just can't jump into this because you got to think you got uh, for the listeners, bring them up to speed. I did track and field in school and my event was long jump. So, you know, in my head, I got all the technical stuff going yeah. on. And so I'm like, you just can't just run out there and do it. So we're walking over and I'm talking to you knowing full well that you are not paying me any attention. Whatsoever. Exactly. Because I was just about to say, I don't remember any, any part of this conversation. <laughs> and, and I knew that. And you went up, you, you took your mark and you went and jumped. And when you jumped, it was perfect form natural unadulterated perfect form i couldn't have taught you better my if i had if i did and it was at that moment i was like oh shit this boy is good <laughs> and and i don't know if you remember but from that moment on i became even extra hard on you when it came to the sports yeah i i remember doing long jump and i remember instantly after that like i just remember waking up early in the morning and running before school with you. And I remember uh, when we would when we go out for a run and we'd get back on our street, the high school kids would be getting on the bus, getting ready to go to school. And they would just be looking in awe of like, what in the world is going on? Yeah. And 
that feeling that seeing their faces, that feeling that it gave me, I was just like, they know I'm better than them. They know that they, they wouldn't be out here before school, let alone in high school, but at my age, I was 12. Right. So I, I knew instantly, I was like, I don't know if I like the attention more or being athletically gifted more, but I know that that feeling that it gave me, I, I thrive on that feeling of like, you know what it is? David Goggins calls it taking souls. Right, right. And and he's like, you know, when that person's looking at you and they realize that they can't do what you're doing, I was taking souls at 12. So I remember now it all it's all coming back. I was taking souls at 12. And I and I remember I remember I remember it too. And I remember seeing the look on your face. And you're right, it what you did you did take their souls. And the fact it was after that moment that day i didn't have for it lasted for about a month but i didn't have problems with you getting you out of bed to go for the run <laughs> and and everything or getting you to work out because I, you know i knew i knew that seeing those kids or those kids seeing you more more so that feeling that it gave you and and honestly it gave me a feeling too seeing seeing these older kids look at my son like wow he's actually doing that so that while it touched you and inspired me too, to to kind of push you and to be better because you you were better at the you know you know that could be the dad in me saying but you were better <laughs> yeah now kind of talk about uh the football aspect like yeah track and field was i was good at that but kind of talk about the football aspect like when did you see it on the football field well you started out on defense and that was because I was a def I was a defensive coach, um, and you because you know I don't know if you remember I was a linebacker coach. Um, I don't remember you coaching in Franklin. I coached in Franklin. Okay. So that so but you, you put it like this I was assistant coach because I was traveling a lot so I was back and forth, um, but I I was coaching then also, and they had you on defense and. I that's probably kind of my fault in the beginning because I love defense because mm -hmm. I like I love doling out pain. <laughs> and, I hate it. And, but so I was just like, well, what position? I was like, put him on defense. And <laughs> and I was like, put him at corner because trust me, nobody's going to get the ball because he's quick. And and once again, go back to David Goggins taking souls. Corner, you know, when you play corner right and you get that interception, you just took everybody's soul. Yep. So that was that in my head. I I figured I'll use your speed because everybody wanted to be wide receiver. Everybody wanted to be quarterback. Every, you know, those positions, those are the show positions. The sleeper position was corner. And I'm yeah. like, that's what I want you to be. And, you know, use your speed that way. So that's that's probably why you never got the ball. Well, not even probably. That is why you never got the ball because I was kind of directing your path at that point. But I was running back and I never got the ball. Starting running back, never touched the ball. Well, that's because of everybody else. That's politics and and use football. Um, okay, okay. Now, now another. Now we, <laughs> so, then we moved to Jackson, and you know, it, it's the suburbs. Yes. And the, the new Let's black go. kid. The new black kid on the team. I got the ball. I was the team, pretty much. Yeah, because you were the fastest. You you clearly were the fastest. Look at Franklin. It was 
more urban. So Franklin was a at the time when we when we lived there, it was still a mix of you know suburban urban. It they they weren't necessarily yep. urban, but they were too they were too suburban to be urban and too urban to be suburban. Yep. <laughs> So it was that mix and the coaches and the coaches and everybody there, they were former football players and they were like even the dads that um, that coach, like everybody was trying to relive their youth. Yeah, <laughs> I got like, that. Like, like most parents do. And yeah. but we took football very seriously. I mean, you know, every kid on the teams, when we looked at them, we the thought process without even saying it, that we wanted every kid to have an opportunity to go to the NFL. And our kids, we wanted to, if possible, we definitely want to make sure that dream happened, knowing that it probably wouldn't. But we realized that sports, like most things, like extracurricular activities, could be the key to keeping the kids engaged in school. If you don't have no other reason to get a good grade, you're going to get good grades to play sports. I did. That was, you know, growing up, that was the only reason why I got decent grades was because because I wanted to play sports. And I, if, I, if I didn't have the grades to play, your, you know, your grandparents, they would they would have sat me down in a heartbeat. I wasn't going to play. And then the school at some point. Now, to that point, I remember getting pulled off several teams. Yes. Due to due to. Um, not necessarily that I couldn't comprehend the information or couldn't learn, but I was just lazy and I just didn't like school. Yeah. And I knew that. <laughs> and I, I think I thought at a younger age, I thought the better I did at the sport, the harder it would be for you to be like, oh, I'm going to pull you off the team. <laughs> so I was kind of <laughs> like, I was kind of like almost trying to call your bluff. <laughs> <laughs> So, <laughs> so I was and like, I am, okay, the better I do and the further along I get and the more I'm the standout, if my grades ain't right, it's going to be hard for him to be like, I'm pulling you off the team when I'm just like, well, I am the team. So, and I knew it would kind of <laughs> be, be to my benefit. Yeah. So your manipulation didn't work with me. No, not at all. <laughs> it did work with your mom because she was like, are you sure you want to pull them off? It, it worked. It worked with mommy and Jackson for sure. Yeah, it did. It, and the, the <clears throat> trust me, it broke my heart to have to pull you off those teams because I love watching you play. And, you know, I, I told you your whole life growing up, I, I have always been and will always be your biggest fan. Um, so it like it broke my heart, but I knew that life was more than sports. And if sports, God forbid, anything happened or you couldn't play sports, you needed to fall back. And, you know, so you needed that education and you need to have a just a broader spectrum of life and opportunity. And you have to work hard, whether it's in school, whether it's on the field, hard work pays off. And that was the lesson that you know i was we were trying to teach you and you know if it meant snatching you off the team then that's what i was willing to do even though trust me it broke my heart i you know i probably broke my heart more than you because you know it was nothing like sitting there as a parent and your kid running the ball down to make that catch and everybody's like yeah 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 go and you're like yeah that's me that's me <laughs> i made that and explain that pride that that swells up in you as a parent when other parents are coming to you like, hey, your boy. You try to be humble. 
and you try to not to let it show. And you be like, yeah, yeah, you know, he works hard and all that. So that's the outside appearance that as a parent, you you have to do yeah. or, or you're going to be seen as that, that jerk parent. <laughs> Most people don't want to be seen as that jerk parent. Yeah. So, you know, you're like, oh, yeah, thank you. You know, he works hard. You know, that was a that was a decent run, you know, <laughs> and, and inside that that was the outward appearance inside was, yeah. That's my boy. That's what I taught him. He's running over him. <laughs> so all you know, but it's a it's a balance. Like I love watching you play, and especially in those years, it was just like wow. And so I, I told you this before. All the athleticism that you have, you naturally have, and when you would squander it at times and not want to work, it would piss me off because I, I was like, I had to work for it and you naturally got it and you plan with it. You you don't know what you have here. I wish you would have pushed me harder because you pushed me hard and it kind of kept me focused and in line. But if you would have pushed me harder, then I would I would have known how to work and what I had and, and valued and appreciated a lot more because you know, you're not necessarily listening to what your parents are saying. You got to hear from five or six other people. And I can remember at every phase of my life, athletically, somebody saying, you can be great. You have the potential, blah, blah, blah. They saw stuff in me that I was just like, okay, what are y'all seeing that I'm not seeing? Because I'm not seeing this yet. And maybe I was waiting to see or to feel it to actually start working harder and start appreciating appreciating it but i never did yeah i yeah we we had this conversation and, and i and i remember you telling me that and you know life happens the way it's supposed to happen for for us and but when you kind of look back and it's that balance you got to remember and this is and goes back to the formative years those first five years you know, not having that bond, I only could push you so, I felt like I only could push you so far without pushing you away. So it was always that, that okay, I could push you to that, what I thought was the red line or what mommy thought was the red line, mm-hmm. and then have to back it down. Because it's like, if I go too far, you know, I push him away. So it was always playing into that, you know, trying to balance how hard, how far to push them. I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt, if had I been there from day one, yeah, my foot would have been further up your butt. <laughs> yeah. If you can imagine that. <laughs> no, I, I could. And that's that's probably uh, what I would have needed to to really take to reach the levels of athleticism that I know now that I had the potential to reach because Every there's not a single person, a single coach, a single teammate who can tell me that I'm I wasn't supposed to be in the NFL or in the Olympics at at, at some point if I want if I really wanted to work for it. And at times I would, but then I I think I just kind of enjoyed the the little bit of fame that I was getting. Now speak on keeping your child focused on keeping their eye on the ball and not getting caught up in all of the little bit of hype that they are getting at that high school level, because it got to a point where I was doing newspaper interviews every, after every single track meet, my name was always in the paper, big centerfolds, big pictures being printed everywhere. 
colleges calling and ringing and all the letters and stuff. And I can just remember to me, I was walking around, you know, we, we, we chest kind of puffed up, like, yeah, I'm a man <laughs> around here. Everybody yeah. knows what's up. <laughs> so kind of, how do you keep some, how do you keep your child? How did you keep me focused and, and not uh, get caught up in the hype? So do you remember the big dog principles or principles of the big dog? I, I remember us sitting down and talking about them. I don't, I have to look at them again, but. Okay. So do you, you do you remember the concept? Cause we, we used to work out together. Mm -hmm. Do yeah. you remember the, the day I, 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 I told you you're just a pup? I remember this day. <laughs> that day you literally, I've never like felt my skin like boiling hot, like heated and never been. Like, oh yeah, this is what we're doing. Okay. That's so it, it was that method because I knew where your head was. You needed a higher level of competition. So I became your higher level of competition. I was like, okay, you, you, you big and bad. So run with me. Mm -hmm. Two things came out of that. One, it changed your mentality. It kind of humbled you a little bit. <laughs> Two, it made you hungry. And yeah. it was like, Oh, okay. I I I gotta chase dad. I gotta I got I gotta catch him. And I'm actually, and I'll bring it up. You're welcome for this. <laughs> you skipped over Australia where you actually the first time you beat me running, which I'm still salty about. <laughs> oh, yeah. See, <laughs> so, so it was so, that. <laughs> so we, we can rewind where I think the first uh, meet where I first started chasing you. I was playing Pop Warner in Jackson. I remember you coming to practice late from work. And you were wearing the 1990s, you know, not skinny, not skinny jeans, but they were like, you know, like the boot cut, <laughs> boot cut jeans, polo shirt. And you had on your, your steel toe work boots and we were running sprints. And then you were like, nobody's going home until somebody beats me at a sprint. And then everybody's head turned right down the line to me. And I was just like, oh boy, here we go. So we get like 10 in and everybody's tired so it's just a race between me and you at this point and we're going and going and going and then i remember this is the first time i knew that you let me win and i did not like that at all and that was the only time i let you win <laughs> yeah exactly but i i remember i was like oh you just gonna let me win oh i'm disgusted in myself <laughs> and you this whole thing feels like somebody's using me and I don't like it. <laughs> and that was for your team's sake, not your sake. Well, I think for I, my sake, I, I told you that. I would have <laughs> ran until I, I passed out trying to beat you. <laughs> I didn't care what they were thinking. I was like, we're going to be here all night until I win. So, but then I uh, fast forward. You see, this is how I know. It was, and your version of the story, you like to tell people that I was older. This is how I know. I you were older. No, because... <laughs> We left, we left Jackson when I was 12. So mm -hmm. then I beat you the next year in Australia because next we were only there for two years. Right. So, it was the last year before we came back. No, Dusty. There you go. Is off. Right, I'll let you. We're, we're agreed that, <laughs> to disagree that I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> sure, whatever. <laughs> but I, I remember beating you and I shocked. It, it was a shock to me. And I was like, I kind of had to look back like, did you let me win? And... You were like, you said, yeah, but then you started laughing right away. And I was like, nah, I beat you. And then I ran. I, I left you where you were. And I ran home and busted through the door. Mom, 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 I beat him. I beat him. 
Yeah, and I remember walking in the house and your mother, she she seeing a look on my face. She's like, did you let him? And she like stopped halfway through because she saw a look on my face. She's like, oh, crap. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't beat you. I'm like, it was at that point I was like, yeah, I got to work out more. <laughs> I'm letting myself go. <laughs> your kid, your kid sparking, sparking the athletic juices again. How did that feel? What was, what was that moment like? It was both the proudest day and the worst day of my life. Not the proudest, but, it, you know, I was happy for you. Yeah. Um, because you know how competitive we are. Oh, for um, sure. I tell people I tell people all the time, my biggest competition is not, especially if I'm in the gym or something, it's, it's like it's not you guys. It's my son. Oh. And because it's like I'm competing against myself because he has the same mentality that I have. And so you guys, you guys would give up. Just like you said, you would die, you would die running. Mm -hmm. I used to tell you, I will die on the field. You're not gonna beat me because I'm willing to die here. And unless you're willing to die here with me, that was it's not gonna happen. That was your biggest thing when we would be in the gym. You you would be like throw up these heavy weights and you was like, I'm willing to die on this bench. And you know, don't touch my weight, I'm willing to die on this bench. And growing up, I was I would be like, he ain't really willing to die. But then seeing <laughs> <laughs> but then seeing it, I, I still didn't believe you you were willing to die, but I believe I saw the switch kind of flip on and I and I was like, he may not be willing to die, but he 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 going he gonna he gonna attempt it and if he fails, he fails, but he ain't gonna die. But he he gonna try his best and he's not gonna quit until it's done. So kind of right. where did your where did where did your athletic mentality come from? Honestly, growing up as an only child, um, you you know, I'm grandma's only. Of course, grandpa has other sons. Mm -hmm. But growing up in a household where I was the only child, um, people thought I was spoiled or, you know, it was this. So I always felt like I had to prove myself. And the only the way that I could prove myself was to be the best. Mm -hmm. um, I got I remember the first time I played Pop Warner. Like I wanted to quit because <laughs> what you did to Mike, <laughs> that happened to me my first day. Oh, this I is got, an exclusive. I, I never heard this story. I never yeah, heard this no. I got popped so hard that like I had to fight back the tears because <laughs> it was hurting. And I remember, you know, kind of pushing through, making through. And I remember one of the kids and we're, we're talking like this is like 40 plus years ago. I remember one of the kids like. See your little punk spoiled butt because I was the kid that I didn't go to the public schools. I went to I went to private school. So yeah. kids thought I was soft because I went to private school. <laughs> and I was just like, I remember him saying something before we left practice. And on the way home, I was just like, never again, never again. I will kill anybody, anything. I I I will die trying. And that became my mentality because. You know, I didn't for one. I didn't like for one. I didn't like feeling like a soft person. Then somebody actually calling me that knew that yeah. was when the switch came on, and I just I just worked hard. If it seems like to me that your athletic mindset kind of became more advanced and more kind of cutthroat in the military, why? <clears throat> it hmm, that's a great question. I never really thought about the why. I think it enhanced what was already in me um, and wanted to be the best. You got to. So 
I was a flyer. I was a computer tech on AWACS. And you have to think that only 1% of the Air Force are actually flyers, even though it's the Air Force. Everybody thinks once you go in the Air Force, you're flying. No, it's only 1% of the Air Force is flying. And of that 1%, it's even a smaller percentage that of people that's in there that's black. Mm -hmm. So being an African-American, um, being in elite um, section of the Air Force, and then of that, you know, having to always feel like you have to prove yourself, mm -hmm. always feel like you have to push yourself, that brought that out of me. And I remember when that, the knowledge that I gained about lifting weights and really becoming a gym rat mm -hmm. was my first tour to Saudi Arabia doing Desert, Desert Shield, Desert Storm. I actually, my workout partner was a, um, a heavy weightlifter, um, a power lifter. Okay. And yeah. So, you know, I went in with my normal little, you know, <laughs> thinking I'm doing something and he's just like, that's cute. <laughs> I'm like, whoa, <laughs> what do you mean? that's cute. <laughs> it's 225 pounds. And he threw up like 350. I was like, Oh, so that's what we do. Okay. So <laughs> I started chasing him and he taught me the proper technique. And this is where I used to always try to get on you and try to instill in you the, when you do something properly and according and, and scientifically and technically, mm -hmm. you, you're, you it start off slow, but it's like a slingshot. You pull back. And then when you release, you go so much further. Yeah. And he showed me that. Um, and once I learned that it was just like, and I became like a beast in the gym where I combined it. It wasn't heavy lifting, just heavy lifting. It was all of the endurance stuff. Like, you know, I, my, my regiment was I, I'm, I will go and do a half hour cardio before I lift heavy and then do another half hour cardio. That's just where I get that from. That's what <laughs> I've been wondering all this time. Like, are you a psychopath? Like I would go and do still i would try to do an hour of cardio straight whether it's running on the bike in an hour how far i can really go and then covered in sweat drenched go change my shirt then go lift and work out so i've been wondering this whole time but i guess the memory of it may have been suppressed but seeing the work and seeing the method and the madness of doing every i felt like every workout we did was Oh, uh, we're doing we're doing five sets of ten. We're doing five sets of fifteen. I'm like, uh, why? <laughs> I'm like, why? Endurance. You got to get your endurance up. You got to. You have to get your endurance up. So now that's like those are all my workouts. I, I go heavy weight. Everybody's like, why are you going heavy? I go. They're like, yeah, I go lightweight, heavy, uh, lightweight, high reps. I'm like, no, I go heavy weight, heavy reps. Right. <laughs> <laughs> And and the reason why they and that's why I was telling you endurance when I, I played you know I played on the football and on the base team when I was in the Air Force mm -hmm. and we like we would toast people like um, we would kill them we would crush them and I would crush them too so you know that was <laughs> it, it was because I can outlast them like like fourth quarter they're huffing and puffing and panting and I'm like come on, you can't be tired. We still got 20 minutes to go, 15 minutes to go, 10 minutes yeah. to go. You mean last, last, this last five minutes, let's go all out. And they're like, dude, I'm done. And <laughs> I'm like, done? I'm just getting started. Yeah. So it's that, that's, it was because of the way I worked out. And I tried to kind of give you that blueprint. Because oh, no, I, 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 I got the blueprint. Important. Yeah, I got yeah, it. Yeah, I know you do. Because yeah. now I look at some of your workouts, I was just like, 
whoo, that boy making me tired. <laughs> I'm still in this mind in this mindset now. I feel myself getting back to it, but I was I was knee deep in that mindset of of kind of like a a foxhole mentality. This is this is when Lenny and the kids had went back to Sweden uh, before I got out of the military. So I was alone for six months. And to pass the time, all I wanted to do to prepare for life after the military and football was workout. And the stuff I was feeding my mind from a mental aspect, like the the people I was listening to, the the David I listened to David Oggins the most and then Eric Thomas. I listened to I listened to people who are just blunt and straight to the point because that's how I am. I don't got time to now I don't have time to try to raise a grown man when I have kids that I'm trying to raise. So I've always felt like your parent, I would, I would give you gyms and I would try to teach you lessons, but your parents should have did the the majority of the legwork. And that's where I kind of feel like uh, in the movie biker boys, there's a quote at the end of the movie. And he says, the difference between men and boys are the lessons they learn. My father told me plenty. So to you, as my dad, I can say that all the lessons that you have given me, all the knowledge that you've tried to pour into me, I may not, it may have felt like you were talking to a brick wall at times, but now being a parent and being a dad, I can say that you have literally taught me how to be fearless, determined, uh, dedicated, motivated, and, and push for what you want. And don't stop until you get it. And that's the main thing. You've always taught us to never quit on anything until you get what you want. And then don't be upset when you don't get it because you didn't work for it. So you're always straight to the point. And I've always valued that. And I've always appreciated that. And I appreciate it more so now. Yeah, that that means a lot to hearing that come from from you. Uh, You know, because as a parent, you know this. And you, even once the kid, once the kids get older, you even know it even more. That's your biggest thought: is did I, did I, how bad did I screw this? Up? <laughs> I think about that all the time. <laughs> it's like, hmm. Ooh, hope this one don't last. If, but if it, I, mommy would get mad at me because I would. She was like, "You're too hard on them." And this was my saying. I think I told you this before. I was like, "Listen, I love them without with every." part of my body and every every essence of my soul if they have to grow up hating me and later on in life they're laying on some psychologist psychiatrist couch saying how bad their dad was and how bad he sucked and then they get up and they go off to this beautiful life where they're they're upstanding citizen they're raising good kids if they if they can do that and if i have to be the scapegoat if I have to be the reason for making for being them being the best that they can be, I'm willing to take that on. Is it ideal? No, but I'm willing to sacrifice them liking me to make sure that they are good people. And you are you are a good you're a good per- person. Um, you're raising great kids, so you guys you know you guys you, you're doing it. So it means a lot to hear you you say that you know it didn't fall on deaf ears. Yeah, uh, a couple more things, and then we'll wrap up. Okay. What was, when did you start to realize that our relationship was transitioning from parent to child into now that now we're like best friends? When, when did you start to realize that shift? Um, probably 
when you went away to college. That was the parent to child transition where I realized that I had to talk to you differently. And it was a struggle. <laughs> <laughs> it was really, really a struggle um, <laughs> to talk to you differently. But I realized that had to happen. And, you know, we made made some mistakes, took things kind of slow rolled. Mm-hmm. Um, um, it took us both time to get there, um, but it did. And we, you know, we had to go through some of the rough patches to get through, to get to where, where we are today. Oh, for so that, sure. That's, when, that's just a natural gestation of, you know, that, uh, how the, the interaction between father and son, especially father and son that are really, really close. Yeah. You know, we could have just been, yeah, okay, dad, yeah, okay. But we're both so passionate about things <laughs> and we, we're so much alike yep. <laughs> that we had to go through it for our relationship relationship to be what it is today. Last thing, and then we'll wrap this up. Uh, what is a lesson that you instilled in me and in Jordan and Justin that you would like me to pass down to my kids and then the pass down to their kids. Well, I think, well, not even, I think, I know you said it. The biggest lesson is never give up, be willing to work hard, be dedicated to what you want. And even when you fail, don't take failure as a setback. Failure is actually a learning opportunity or what you didn't do right or what could have been done better. Go back to the drawing board and, you know, whenever you guys used to lose games or whatever you did, I used to always ask, always ask, what did you learn? What did you learn? Because life is one big lesson. And the only way to get better is to learn from it. So if you guys take the, the, those lessons, you know, don't give up. Always look for what you can learn. You know, you're going to continue to do great and be better. Yeah. And I, I thought it was going to be last thing, but it's kind of funny that you said that because I can remember growing up, you asked, like, what did you learn from a loss or whatever? And I will always be like, I learned that I'm the best and that my team sucks <laughs> <laughs> and that they need to do some more extra work. And I can re- <laughs> and I Yeah, can you remember- used to say that. And I'm like, this kid right here. <laughs> and I can remember Jordan uh, when, they, when she would go to cheer competitions and stuff and then mm-hmm. they would not do good. I can remember her coming off and then you would be like, oh, what did you learn? And she was like, I learned that I'm the best out there and that everybody <laughs> needs to do work, do better, get better. So it kind of, <laughs> it's so funny that that your children kind of just spit the same stuff back at you like, hey, man, we're working over here. I don't know what they're doing in that household, but we work over here. So they need to get it Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and actually your brother used to say that after basketball competitions. Yeah. I, was like, I was like, crap, I got to come up with a new line or something. <laughs> hey, when, you, when you're raising uh, hard workers, um, that's kind of the answer that is expected to, right. to get back. Like, hey, we're working over here. So... They need to right. step it up and get on our level. And then maybe we might be winning some games. <laughs> <laughs> but part of, part of that was to make sure you guys didn't reduce your level or play down. Because yeah. you have a lot of people that will, well, the team is not doing well. So let me just come down to their level. No, you bring your the team up to your level. Yeah. Or not just your team, anything in life. You bring people up to your level. And if you're not on their level, you catch them and pass them. Yeah. I want to say if I don't know if I've ever told you 
uh, this in person or ever, but I want you to know that you have always been one of my heroes growing up. And I want you to know that I love you and I appreciate you. I appreciate everything that you've done for me, everything that you continue to do, all your support, all your encouragement, and all the wisdom that you continuously pour into me on a daily basis. Thank you. That that means a lot. You know I love you. You know I'm your biggest fan, will always be your biggest fan. And I am just extremely, when I say I, your mother too, um, we both, um, it's no feeling like seeing your kids just succeed in life. And you're like, well, I do. I know she knows she did the right thing. <laughs> I'm like, didn't screw them up too bad. <laughs> so, but I, I, you know, you mean the world to me. And, you know, whatever you need, I'm always here. I will always be here. I will always be in your corner. Thanks. That means a lot. All right. All right. That is a wrap for this episode of the Lost in the Game podcast. Thank you for listening. If this was your first time tuning into the podcast, you can listen to this episode as well as all previous episodes on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. To stay up to date on all things Lost in the Game, you can follow us on IG at Lost in the Game Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Antoine. And until next time, peace, love.